Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the Kettlecast, we'll talk about the Atlanta Hawks draft, what they got, what they traded, and the trade they made right after the draft. We'll also talk about the NBA Awards show finally happened a full two months after the regular season ended. While Luka ended up winning Rookie of the Year, we'll look into the uh, stats that both he and Trey Young put up. So without further ado, let's get into it. The Atlanta Hawks made a couple transactions going into the 2019 draft that really brought into focus their plan in the actual draft itself. Travis Schlenk had said all along that they were never going to go into next season with five, or as it turned out, six rookies because of the extra pick they got in the Torian Prince trade. The Hawks traded Torian Prince to the Brooklyn Nets for Alan Crabb in the 17th pick. And as I discussed on the earlier episode of the Kettlecast, there's just no way that the Hawks were going to add to Trey Young, Kevin Herter, and Amari Spellman by getting five or six more rookies. Travis has said that they tr- would have liked to package the second round picks and move up in this draft. And when that didn't happen, they ended up turning some of those second round picks into future assets. They traded one of the second round picks to the Golden State Warriors for a 2024 second round pick that is unprotected with some cash. And they also traded a second round pick to the Miami Heat for a future second round pick that is unlikely to convey to the Hawks. It is top 55 protected, so unless the Heat are one of the best teams in basketball in 2024, the Hawks will not get that pick. And they also received cash in that transaction as well. So going into the draft, the Hawks had already gone down to four picks. And as I was heading down to State Farm Arena with some friends for the draft party that the Hawks had, the Hawks made their biggest move in trading up to get the number four pick. The number four pick had gotten to the New Orleans Pelicans in the Anthony Davis trade. With the Pelicans already having the number one pick, their new general manager, uh, David Griffin, was looking to get more assets to help speed up their own rebuild, the Pelicans' own rebuild in the wake of losing Anthony Davis. And the Hawks have been very aggressive in actually using the assets that they have this year and they were able to trade for the number four overall pick in this draft. It cost a lot. The Hawks had to trade the eighth pick, the 17th pick, and the 35th pick in this year's draft, and also Cleveland's top 10 protected pick in 2020 for the fourth pick, the 57th pick in this year's draft, a future second-round pick, and Solomon Hill, who is on the last year of his contract and is still owed $13.3 million. Um, It was a huge price for Travis Schlenk and the Hawks to move up and get that number four pick. And they ended up selecting DeAndre Hunter, the forward from uh, Virginia, with that pick. And uh, I love the pick of DeAndre Hunter. I think he's a perfect fit for the Hawks and where they're going. But there is no question that the Hawks paid a premium to move up. I think if they were just to have traded 8 and 17 to move up, I think I would that would have been like kind of a, a steal to get that, that pick. And also, if they had just had to use three picks, if they had 
traded 8, 17, and 35, I think that still would have been pretty fair. The thing that really gets me is the fact that they had to take on the contract of Solomon Hill. Um, and ultimately, I don't know that it's going to matter much because the Hawks weren't going to use their cap space this season. And so using that cap space and absorbing a contract of Solomon Hill isn't the worst thing that the Hawks can do. But typically when a team has to take on a contract such as the one they received from the Pelicans, they get an asset to do that. They get a second round pick or a future first round pick or something like this. And in this case, the Hawks were kind of forced to take the contract on as well as paying a ton to move up and select DeAndre Hunter. This draft was really looked at as kind of a three-player draft. There was some really odd reporting in my eyes that uh, it became sort of a four-player draft as the draft got closer. Zion was always the number one pick. John Morant went to Memphis at number two. um, And R.J. Barrett went number three to the Knicks. And as the draft got closer and closer, there was more and more noise that Darius Garland, a point guard from Vanderbilt who only played in five games this season, was the fourth star. I don't know how much of that was the Pelicans trying to get people to bid on that fourth pick overall, and I think that ultimately worked um, in seeing how much they got for the fourth pick from the Hawks. And apparently there was a significant interest from the Celtics as well. But um, to me, Darius Garland is not a clear star, um, especially when there was just so little film of him in his college season this year, in his only college season as he was a freshman. DeAndre Hunter apparently had made it clear that he wanted to be with the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks were the only team he did any sort of workout for and apparently did not give his medical records out to any other teams besides the Hawks. So it was very encouraging, and it's always very cool to hear about a player wanting to come and join the Hawks because that's not something that normally happens. In the stadium and at the farm, um, the pick was cheered. I think it was cool to have that number four overall pick, but people weren't super excited about the pick, I'd say. And... Um, as the number 10 pick came closer and closer and people were excited that the Hawks did not have to give up that number 10 overall, specifically me, for them to get two top 10 picks, it was huge. I think while they gave up a lot to move up to number four, being able to keep that number 10 pick and have two top 10 picks in this draft was a very good use of assets for the Hawks. But as that number 10 pick came closer and closer, there did... Um, start to be a little bit of energy in the arena. Um, I don't think it was any sort of uh, secret that a lot of Hawks fans coveted Cam Reddish. As I discussed in our sort of um, prospect review, Cam Reddish is just easy to see as an NBA player being 6'8", super smooth athlete, maybe not the most explosive athlete, but super smooth and having a beautiful jump shot um, makes it easy to project him to be an NBA player and, and a high-level NBA player. And as he didn't, his name did not come off the board as we got closer and closer to that top 10 pick, or that number 10 pick, um, there, a little energy began to rise in the farm. And um, when the Washington Wizards selected Rui Huchimura at number 9, 
um, a big roar went out at Phillips or at State Farm Arena, which was awesome. Um, and people were super excited that the Hawks, you know, couldn't turn in the name Cam Reddish fast enough. So that was really cool to be down at the arena and for there to be such a buzz and um, real excitement about that pick and to see, uh, you know, DeAndre Hunter didn't get to put on the Atlanta Hawks hat because none of these trades can become official until July 6th. And to see Cam Reddish go up there and put on a Hawks hat and for him to be just such a recognizable name and a guy that a lot of Hawks fans wanted to get, I think that was a big win for the Hawks just because they got their guy in DeAndre Hunter at number four. And then they got their guy as well, apparently, Reddish has been on the Hawks' radar since, you know, last year, um, but also a guy that a lot of the fans were excited about. So it was really cool to see that combination of um, both getting two guys who I think are going to help the Hawks right away on the wing, but also get some excitement from fans where I think in the past the Hawks have drafted guys that may have not been the biggest name guys or the most exciting Um names at the time so um, I don't think the Hawks could have done any better I really thought if they got one of Jarrett Culver DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish it would have been a good draft and to get two of them is just above and beyond my expectations for this draft so then getting into the second round the Hawks ended up making another trade using that 57th pick they had gotten and they also traded um, two future second round picks to get the 34th pick and draft Bruno Fernando, a center out of Maryland. Um, he's 6'10", 240 pounds. And an interesting thing about him, especially if you go and watch a lot of his highlights, is you'll notice this lanky redheaded kid, uh, Kevin Herter, in a lot of Bruno's highlights, which is really cool to see. And apparently, uh, Fernando first got on the Hawks' radar because they were going up to Maryland to see Kevin Herter, and they saw um, Fernando while they were up there as well. Uh, so Schlenk got a lot of uh, time to scout him up in Maryland, and then apparently in the pre-draft process, Coach Pierce had a lengthy video session with Fernando during the during that process. And so the Hawks obviously need some sort of center help this season going in with Alex Lynn and Miles Plumley as the only centers on the roster right now. And they got a young guy who some have called a, uh, like a slightly worse version of Deandre Ayton, the number one overall pick last year. So to get that in the second round was, is extremely great value. And I think, you know, this was a draft that the Hawks turned a lot of their assets and a lot of the things they had stockpiled, um, in these previous years and they turned them into actual players and it'll be interesting to see how that aggressiveness and um, boldness really pays off for them this season. Um, one frustrating part about just kind of the, the way the NBA is set up in general is both the trade for DeAndre Hunter, the trade for Torian Prince as well, and the trade for Bruno Fernando cannot be official until July 6th. And Summer League starts in July 5th. And so two of the Hawks draft picks won't be able to play right away in the Summer League. 
and Cam Reddish is not going to participate in Summer League at all, despite at his press conference saying that he'd love to play in Summer League, but he had surgery on a core muscle, and so is not going to be able to play in Summer League. He has said that he, he will be available to play at the beginning of next season, so that's good, but it is, of course, frustrating or kind of a bummer just not to be able to see your top picks play in Summer League. Um, especially now that Summer League has become such a big part of the experience, getting to see these young guys play with other young guys and see how they fit in their own draft class. When ultimately, uh, Summer League can sort of not be more of a fairy tale world than the actual NBA, but it is always cool to see your top draft picks perform. And we will get to see Bruno and DeAndre play. It's just going to be after the first game in Summer League. So that is exciting. Um, after talking about the draft, um, the Hawks made another move where they traded Kent Bazemore, the last member of the Hawks who was on that 60-win team to the Portland Trailblazers for Evan Turner. And this was purely a player-for-player trade. And, you know, their contracts are the, the exact same. And um, it can be a little head-scratching on why the Hawks traded Bazemore at this time. And as the reports came out and then you saw a post from um, Kent Bazemore, it became clear that he had asked the Hawks to to trade him and trade him to a contender. I think that the addition of two young wings really meant that Bazemore's minutes were going to go down. And so the Hawks did him a favor and were able to get a backup point guard in return um, by sending him to the Portland Trailblazers. And Evan Turner, the Hawks are getting a backup point guard, as I said. Um, Evan Turner averaged 22 minutes a game last year, seven points. Um, four assists and four and a half rebounds on 46% shooting. He's not a three-point shooter at all. He shot 21% on threes on less than one per game. And he's going to be making $8.5 million this year. That kind of goes into looking at the highest-played Hawks going into next season. You have Evan Turner at $8.5 million, Alan Crabb at $8.5 million, Solomon Hill $12.8 million, and Miles Plumley at $12.5 million. That's $60 million in players that are on the last year of their deal. So um, the Hawks have taken their cap space this year, amassed it together in players that are not going to be on the team next year, I would imagine, and really set themselves up to be players in the free agent market next season. Um, But it is kind of staggering to see that the four highest paid players, three of them weren't on even weren't on the Hawks last year and um, just how quickly Lloyd Pierce has turned this team around. Um, An amazing stat that Jeff Schultz, one of the writers for the athletic posted was the longest tenured Hawk now is Deandre Bembry. So Travis Schlenk has really done a job on this uh, Atlanta Hawks roster and turning it around and We have seven players on rookie contracts now, and that's frankly stunning. Um, And the youth on this team, it's going to be really exciting to see them play. But uh, he's really put a lot of um, assets into this last draft class and and into this offseason. So this is kind of the real foundation going forward. And 
it's, it's an exciting time to be an Atlanta Hawks fan. Sort of highlighting that, we can look at um, Trey Young and Luka Doncic and the Rookie of the Year race. The NBA finally had their NBA award show. Uh, I think a lot of NBA Twitter was already past that this, you know, it doesn't really make sense for regular season awards to be handed out now that the postseason is finished and a lot of uh, recency bias would highlight how good of a player Kawhi Leonard was and what a good job that Masai Jiri did on the Raptors roster. But the most important race for Hawks fans was the Rookie of the Year um, award where Trey... Luka Doncic and DeAndre Ayton were all up for that award. And while it was nice to see DeAndre Ayton up there, especially as the number one pick last year, it was really a two-horse race with DeAndre, uh, with Luka and Trey being the, the two real contenders. And ultimately, Luka won the award going away. He got 98 of the possible 100 number first place votes where Trey got the other two and then his other two votes were second uh second place votes and Trey got 97 second place votes and was left off of one whole somebody's whole ballot which is bizarre but we can look into their stats a little bit um Trey played 81 games this season the Hawks went 29 and 52 in those games he shot 42% from the field, 32% from three-point land, and 83% from three free throws for 19 points, eight assists, and 3.7 rebounds a game, and he averaged 3.8 turnovers a game. Uh, Luka, for his season, he played in 72 games. The Mavs went 28-44 and 44 in those games. He averaged 21 points, six assists, 7.8 rebounds on 43% shooting, 33% shooting from three-point land, and 71% shooting from the free-throw line with 3.4 turnovers a game. And while Luka averaged um, more points and more rebounds, the rest of their stats are staggeringly close, um, and the shooting percentages. And uh, Trey started the season shooting really poorly, and for him to get his averages up, to where they were was a testament to him continuing to improve as the season went on. Um, it's also interesting to me that Trey played 81 games this season, and the one game he didn't play was not because he was injured. It was just for load management pur purposes. And One of the possible weaknesses for the Hawks going forward, or for Trey going forward, was how was his frame going to hold up over a full NBA season? And... Uh, he made it through and, and played in 81 games. Luca uh, has been playing professional basketball over in Europe for a couple of years now, and the Mavs had him take the whole summer off just to sort of give him a break from all the work that he's been doing, and he was not able to play the entire season. He played 72 games. Um, Royce Young, a writer for ESPN, who's one of the people who voted for Trey to be the Rookie of the Year tweeted out um, that starting on December 1st, from then on, Trey Young averaged 20 points per game on 43% uh, shooting from the field, 
58% shooting from three-point line and 83% shooting from the free throw line. Four rebounds a game and 8.2 assists. Luka Doncic averaged 22 points per game, 22.5 points per game on 42% shooting from the field, 31% shooting from three-point line, and 70% shooting from the free throw line with eight rebounds and 6.6 assists. The Hawks went 24 and 35 over that time. The Mavs went 23 and 39. Um, so after the December 1st, I think you can say Trey was the better player. Um, you know, ultimately, basketball is not a sport that's determined by one player. It's, it's a team sport. And this argument, and especially the arguing between Hawks fans and Dallas fans about who won the trade, is extremely frustrating to me because both players have turned out to be very good. And uh, while Luca was the deserving winner, as Royce Young tweeted, uh, a first-place vote for Trey certainly wasn't like some joke or, or ridiculous. So it was very cool to see Trey get highlighted at the awards show. He was shown a lot. He ended up presenting one of the awards. So that was very cool. And it it's pretty obvious that he has some cachet amongst other NBA players. Um, there were even some tweets of like surprise from other NBA t- players that Trey didn't win and that Luca Luca did win. But it's going to be a fun rivalry for those two going forward. And while it it is a little bit it's a bummer that Trey didn't win Rookie of the Year. It would have been fun to have a Rookie of the Year in with at the Atlanta Hawks. Maybe we'll have one this year in Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter. Um, so a- after that, I think the Hawks really did well in the draft. Uh, they gave up a lot of assets both in this draft and around the draft, and it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward or if, if the team's set. Do they bring back De- uh, Dwayne Deadman? Um, they don't have a lot of spots left, just uh, roster spots. So um, I think kind of the team you have, you see right now, is the Hawks team that you're going to have going into 2019-2020. But the next time we'll get to see the Hawks, the young Hawks play in the Summer League, and uh, the Kettlecast will be covering those games and talking about any other moves that the Hawks make going forward. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kettlecast. If you can please leave a rating or a review on whatever platform that you are listening to the Kettlecast on, that would be a big help to me. And also share the Kettlecast with any friends who enjoy the NBA or Atlanta Hawks basketball. Go Hawks!